This podcast is brought to you by jewishpodcasts.org. Start your very own podcast today at jewishpodcasts.org. Good morning, Shabbos. Hope everyone is well. We'd like to wish Mazel Tov to, to Mr. and Mrs. Mordechai Sensor on the bar, on the bar mitzvah of their grandson this past Shabbos. A Mazel Tov to the parents, Rabbi Mrs. Ellie Sensor of Lakewood. May they see much nachas from this grandchild and from all of the grandchildren and their children. We turn to Parshas Boy, and when we get to Parshas Boy, we're already almost done with the makas. Three makas left in this week's parsha, but perhaps the highlight of Parshas Boy is when Klai Yisrael leaves Mitzrayim. Klai Yisrael is done with a very difficult chapter of their history. Klai Yisrael is in the mode of Geula redemption as they leave Mitzrayim, being there for two hundred something years. Backbreaking labor, difficult times. Klaiswell in this week's parsha leaves. And the Chushai Rim said that in Parshas, when we read Parshas, boy, we have a little bit of the feeling of Pesach. We have that schos of Pesach. It's like we're reliving Pesach this Shabbos. As the Jewish people left Mitzrayim so many years ago. And this is what we hope for for our own lives. We want to experience Geula. We want to experience redemption. We want to leave the difficult situation we find ourselves. We want to be out of this very long gullus. But perhaps if we look through the psukim and we see some of the ideas that were found during Klai Yisrael's time on when they left Mitzrayim, maybe we can learn. Maybe we can glean for ourselves perhaps a way, a path, how we too can experience Geula just like, just like the people did back then. The Torah tells us a very interesting pasuk. How Kosh Baruch Hu comes to Moshe Rabbeinu and says to Moshe Rabbeinu, please speak to the Jewish people and ask them the following request. Daber no, please, I ask you, that the Yishalu that each Jew should borrow <coughs> from his counterpart, from his Re'eyu, and each woman from her friend, silver and gold. I ask you to go to your Mitzrayim, knock on their doors and ask them, can you please lend me, can I please borrow the silver and gold? And the Torah goes on to tell us that the Mitzrayim gave Fully, they opened up their arms and gave, and they lent, so to say, to the Jewish people, their clay kesev and clay zav. A troubling pasuk, because the Torah describes the Mitzrayim as re'eyu. When you read the pasuk, it says you should borrow a man from his friend. Friend means the Mitzrayim. You should go to the Mitzrayim next door, the Mitzrayim who only a few months ago was beating you, the Mitzrayim who a few months ago was trying to kill you, and all of a sudden now the Torah says, no, he's your re'eyu, he's your friend. That term, re'eyu, is usually not including a guy. The Gemara in Baba Kama tells us the word re'eyu actually comes to exclude a guy. But even more troubling, in the context, how could we call a mitzri my friend? My friend! This person might have murdered relatives of mine, family members of mine, he beat me, he abused me. Why would the Torah tell me to go to my friend, re'eyu? If the Torah wanted me to go to a mitzri, at least say, go to your mitzri. Why does the Torah use the word Re'eyu? And this is a question that the Rishonim struggle with. Numerous answers are given. One of the answers that are brought down by the Malbum, the Vilmagoyim, the Chsam Soifer, and others is that the Torah doesn't mean over here to go to your Mitzri counterpart. Vayishalu Ishmi Yisri'eyu actually means first go to your Jew. First go to a Jew and ask if he can borrow, you can borrow something from him. And then later you'll go ask the Mitzrayim. What was this about? So the Vilna Goyen explains, and the Chassam Soifer elaborates even more, is that first do chesed with each other. When you do chesed with each other, when you're compassionate to each other, then Hashem will allow you later on to go to the Mitzrayim, and the Mitzrayim will be more than happy to give you everything. But first, 
Before you're going to see any great Yeshua, before you're going to see any great money come your way, you need to do chesed with another Jew. And the Chassam Soiver takes it a step further. The Chassam Soiver says, this wasn't just an order for the Mitzrayim to give us money. This was our ticket out of Mitzrayim. If we wanted to leave Mitzrayim, we had to first, our first step was to do chesed with each other. We'll borrow from each other. Lend to each other, Jew to Jew. After we rebuild and after we fix and after we improve <coughs> our Jew-to-Jew relationship, then Hashem says, okay, now we're ready to continue on. Now we're ready to leave Mitzrayim. Says the Chassam Soifer. This was a condition. This was a Tanai. In order for us to be able to leave Mitzrayim, we first had to borrow and lend things to each other. And that's why the Torah uses the word Re'eu, because first and foremost, we're to each other, and then later to the Mitzrayim. When I came across this idea in the Achorinim, I was Something bothered me. I was thinking, what exactly were the Jews lending to each other? What did the Jews have to lend? This is a nation of people that for so many years were enslaved, impoverished. What exactly are they lending each other? We think of today, you come by, you need to borrow a mixing bowl, you need to buy some flour, I have tons of things to lend. What exactly were the Jews free will lending each other? You can only imagine what they must have owned. So we know the Medrash tells us during Makhazdam, the Jewish people made some money, so maybe that was what they were borrowing. What is the lesson over here? And I think perhaps what the Torah is teaching us is that we have to broaden our description of what we think of chesed. We think of chesed in big terms. A person's going to drop a lot of money. He's going to do something unbelievable. Sometimes chesed, you got to think out of the box. you got to work with whatever you have. Chesed is not about, well, if I have a million dollars. No, no, no. Work with what you have. Those Jews didn't have much to lend each other. But whatever they had, they made the most of. They utilized everything that they had to share, to give to someone else. It's not about what you have. It's about using what you have. It's not about, well, if I had a million dollars, it's not about what you don't have. It's about what you have. Take the things that you do have, and whatever things the Jews had in their homes, I can't imagine it was a lot. It wasn't a lavish lifestyle for these former slaves. But the Torah is telling us that whatever you have, Whatever you own, you can figure out a way to make chesed. You can figure out a way to help someone. Whatever you own, you could perhaps use to help someone else. <coughs> and this reminded me of a story, a very famous story, with Howard Schultz. Howard Schultz, the former CEO of Starbucks, took a trip to Eretz Yisrael some years ago with his, some people from his team. And they went to meet Rabnathan Sri Finkel Zatzal, the Mir Rosh you can imagine Nelson C. Finkel, a man who had a physical ailment, Nebuch. He was trying to control himself. He was in pain. But he wanted to meet with Howard Schultz and his team. And they're sitting around the table. Howard Schultz, you can imagine, this big hotshot CEO from America, wealthy, wealthy Jew, with people on his team. And Nelson C. Finkel asks the following question to the group. He throws out the following question. He says, what's the takeaway? What's the message, the lesson that we're supposed to learn from the Holocaust? So around the table it went, people suggested different things. Some said, never again. Some said, this is why we need a state of Israel. Some said, this is why we need an army. And Ramnathan Svi clearly rejected all of those answers. That wasn't what Ramnathan Svi was looking for. This was not in his mind. The great God or Ramnathan Svi didn't think that was the lesson, the message of the Holocaust. Ramnathan Svi said, you know what the message of the Holocaust was? Was when one Jew had one blanket and he had a choice. Do I keep it for myself or do I share it with other people? That was the message of the Holocaust at Nassim Svi. 
that when a Jew came back at the end of a very long day and there was not enough blankets given out, the Nazis did not give blankets. Beravchos. They gave every sixth person had a blanket to share, either with the five people or be selfish and keep it for yourself. Sarah mustn't see the lesson of the Holocaust when a Yid came back at the end of a long day. We can appreciate it is so cold outside. The last couple of days, I think about this. How the Jews worked out in this temperature. We go out, we bundle up, we put on three layers, and then we come right away into, into, a, very, into, a, into a heated house. How did the Yidin go on like this? It, it, it's beyond my understanding. Sarah mustn't see when a Yid comes back after a long day in the cold. And he finally lays down in his bed. Can't even call it a bed. He has to make a decision. Is it all about me, or am I going to share? When a yid has nothing more than a blanket to call his own, is he going to share it? Is he going to lend it? Or is he going to use it for himself? See, that was the lesson of the Holocaust. And that's what the Torah is telling us in this week's parasha. It's not about what you have. It's about how you use it. You can have one blanket. That's all you own in this world. But if you choose to share it with those around you, you become an ish chesed. That's what the Torah told us in this week's parasha. The Jews didn't have much to share with each other. They didn't have much to lend. Hashem is teaching us it's not what you own. It's how you use it. You can own very little and very few things. But if the things you have and you own, you share, you become a chesed. You become an ish chesed. And that's how Klai Yisrael merited to leave Mitzrayim. Because they realized it's not how much we own. It's but whatever we have, we can share. And this comes in so many different ways of life. Not always do people do chesed with money. Sometimes it's a kind word. Sometimes it's a smile. Sometimes it's a favor. There's so many different ways to do chesed. But chesed is not about how much you have or how much capabilities or abilities you have. It's about how much you're willing to think. What can I do to help someone else? I'll share with you one more story. There was a Masih Shabbos in Skver. Many people were waiting online to speak to the Skver Rebbe. Most of them generally look like Skver Chassidim or Chassidim. There was one Jew standing online looked like he didn't belong. <coughs> wasn't wearing Shabbos clothing. Wasn't wearing Hasidic garb. Dressed very much like he didn't fit. Waiting online to speak to the Skver Rebbe like everyone else. He's wearing his kippah suga. He's wearing his khakis. Polo shirt. Matzah Shabbos in Skver. He finally gets to the Rebbe. After waiting two hours online, the Rebbe asks him, what can I do for you? He says, I'm here for a bracha for your Achmiel ben Bela. I want a bracha for Achmiel ben Bela. The Rebbe gives him a bracha. After he leaves, the Shamish runs over to this fellow and says, what's going on? What brings you here? He says, let me explain. He says, I'm a counselor in Camp Hask. And I, have a, I, have a, um, a, a, I have a camper whose birthday is today. And he has severe physical handicaps. I can't get him a bike. I can't get him a ball. There's nothing I can get for him. But I want to do something for him. So I figured, let me go to his Rebbe. He's a square chassid. I'm going to go to his Rebbe on his birthday and give him a bracha. The shamish turns to the Yid and starts crying. He says, you know, Yerachmiel ben Bela is my son. To me, the, gra- the greatness of the story is that a Yid said to himself, how can I give to somebody who I can't give to? I can't, what do you give to Nebuch, a child who, who can't appreciate anything? That's when you think out of the box. That's when you say, it's not about what I have, it's about what can I use to do for another yid. This counselor in Camp Hass sent to himself, listen, I know I can't get him a bike, I can't get him a ball, I can't get him something that most kids use, but this is something I can give him. And he went out of his comfort zone. 
to stand online in a place where he felt very out of, very out of uh, not belonging there. But that's what Hashem says. When we do that for each other, then we're zeicha to what the Jewish people experience in Mitzrayim. When we do chesed out of the box, not using what we have, but, but thinking, what can I do with whatever limited funds or assets I have? That's when we experience unbelievable geula. Mitzrayim, Hashem, Klai Yisrael is a wonderful nation. There is chesed everywhere you turn. It's beautiful. Every organization you can think of, there is. And there's WhatsApp chats, chesed is everywhere. It's beautiful. I hope that we should continue thinking of creative ways to do chesed. And Baruch Hashem, Klai Yisrael almost covered everything. We have chesed for chesed on everything. It's beautiful. Mika Amcha Yisrael, there's nothing like it. And I, want to, and I think it's a shvach for Klai Yisrael, how we're so good about this. So let's continue and think of more creative initiatives to help each other. Because that is our ticket out of this very painful gullus. Mr. Shem, we should continue to chesed for each other. New initiatives, new ideas, new thoughts, new plans. And we should be zeichel just like Klai Yisrael in this week's parasha. We should be zeichel like Mitzrayim to finally see and to at the end of this very painful gullus be there to experience the gula with the arrival of Mashiach and Mehebi Have a wonderful Shabbos.